0: by the angel Gabriel, and by the way, scholars, all scholars, all biblical scholars will agree there's no way Mary could have been more than 16 years of age at the oldest. she As young as 14, as old as 16, maybe even 13. But back then, hey, don't get all freaked out. But that was, you know, you, you got betrothed early, and that's how it worked. And at 16 years of age, this has dropped on her. Could you imagine a 16-year-old coming you know, in the youth group and saying, hey, uh, I'm pregnant? Well, that's happened. But then to say, but but with the son of God. And you're like, happy Dale. You know, we're taking you to Costa Pacifica. You are not doing well. Right. <laughs> Anyone? You, yeah. And she's got to carry this. And I saw an angel of the Lord and Joseph serious. I'm, he's like, well, I thought you're not, I, I, what, who, what? Are and you know, and the scripture says that he was a just man. He wanted to put her away silently and this is a guy, you, you look at his faith, nowhere in the scriptures do we even see him in a sense speaking, but he's a man that cared for and provided for and, and raised a child and, and, and embraced it by faith. And, and the scripture speaks of a virgin birth. You, can, you, can, you don't have to believe in the virgin birth, but you can't say that scripture doesn't declare the virgin birth. It does declare the virgin birth. Even in the old Testament, you look at Isaiah nine, you go through all of it and here it is so clearly depicted, and this is, this is the birth announcement. And so God brings this gift to Mary, and it's God who's laden with gifts, and he comes to Mary to, to lay these gifts down. Now, i got to tell you, the exchanging of gifts started with, many believe, European immigrants exchanging gifts with one another. And others believe that the tradition began when the Magi brought the gold, frankincense, and, and myrrh, and that started this tradition of gift-giving. And we're trying to figure out well where did the gift giving begin? When did it start? And uh, it didn't start with the Magi. It started the very first ex- gift exchange, Christmas gift exchange, was was God and Mary. It's is the very first gift exchange, and it's a fascinating one. It's it's one of those that, as you look at it, it is God comes to Mary loaded down with presents to inundate her and laden her with gifts. And Mary is is caught off guard and, and she has to make do with what she has. I, has anyone ever been in that place where somebody brings you this amazing gift? And you're like, ah, I didn't even think of you. <laughs> Come to, <laughs> let me, uh, you stay right there. I got something special for you and I'll be right. Oh my goodness. What do, Um, so I got you a cookie. And it's, <laughs> and thank you for the Ferrari. Lord bless us. Has anyone ever been in that situation? Somebody gets you a gift and you just, you weren't ready for Christmas? Isn't that what it is? Ready for Christmas? You don't want to get caught off guard? Nobody's had, gosh. You go home, I want first service back. This is just not working. Has anyone been in that spot where they, yeah, okay, talk to me? <sighs> well, the good news is that's Mary. God comes laden with gifts, just levels her with them. And she's got bub kiss. She's got nothing. And he is just pouring these gifts upon her and blessing her. Look at verses 31 through 35. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus or Joshua. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel said to her, the Holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy one is to be born will be called the son of God. There you go, Mary. There's some gifts. We can unwrap all of them. We can spend an enormous amount of time unwrapping those gifts, but I only want to take a few. Uh, take a look at a few of them. One gift that she unwraps of the many is that she would become pre- uh, pregnant, and the first present that God would give her would be this miracle, and the miracle of a virgin birth, that a virgin would be with child, as it says in Isaiah 9. And And some people go, that's not a gift. Well, yeah, it is, because as you see Mary speaking of women, you know, there's none greater than Mary, and I think Protestants don't venerate her enough, and I think Catholics venerate her too much, and there's a, there's a beautiful place right there. Let me say this. I think Protestants are prone not to venerate her enough, and I think Catholics are prone to venerate her too much, but I think in the faithful community, they, they do a really, really good job. Amen? And And yet... This idea, this magnificat is what they speak of. The minute she hears this, and you can follow through in Luke, she just starts declaring all of these scriptures, and they're just rolling in a song as she's singing to the Lord, and each of them pertains to a psalm that she has read. They didn't have a Bible like you and I hold today. Any any scriptures were in scrolls in the temple. She had learned all these scriptures through music, and when this comes upon her and this experience and this gift that God gives her, the, the, the cry of her heart is she's singing praises to the Lord from memory. I've hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against you. She's singing these songs from memory, and they're just flowing from her, and she is such a, a an amazing woman, and God gives her this, this miracle of an incarnation that she would be with child as a virgin, and that's just got to blow her mind. It's like... This is a promise that had never been seen before. It's never happened in the history of the world, nor will it ever happen again. And you're going to be, become pre- pregnant outside the normal process of conception. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and be with child. And so there's this gift. Boom. She's like, wow. There's one gift. I can go through multiple. The, the second gift that was very apparent to me is, is the name. She said his name will be called Jesus. In, in Hebrew, it's Yahshua or Joshua. And this means God is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. Now you think about that. God is salvation. This was a very popular name at this time because the Romans were suppressing Israel and everyone was looking that their child was going to be the one that would bring salvation. God would bring salvation through this child and his name is Joshua. And everyone loved this name. But in this case, he is going to be the Messiah. Jesus Christ, Christ is his title, Jesus is His name, but even in His name is his title. He is salvation, and so this is a popular name it 's given to her, and this is a gift from the Lord, and it was a name that God himself chose and I loved it i, I didn't even i didn 't even schedule this with Terry and Nancy Clark, but I came up to them prior to the first service and i said i 'm going to be reading uh, the lyrics of a song. I don't know if you would play it. And they go, what is it? And I go, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They go, it's on it. We haven't sung that song in years. We put it on our song. Oh, 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 oh. And we, I got chills. I got chills. We we're like, this is such a Holy Spirit moment. It was awesome. And they sang it. Wasn't it beautiful? And I, I had a, my a pastor, Don McClure, who just so, he's like bigger than life. He's a hero to me. And he would always say, you know, at the end of a service, I, I want a song that focuses on the name of Jesus. And he would always say, if I don't leave you with Jesus, I haven't done what I'm called to do. If you're left with a cool story or a funny antidote or some sort of life lesson, but you don't go away with Jesus, I've failed you. Because my job is to connect you with the Lord. I, I'm, I'm in and out, Burger. I do one thing. I connect you with Jesus, right? I, I don't do chicken. I don't do nuggets. I don't do parfaits. Jesus is what we do here, Right? You know, you want self-help and you want 10 reasons and this thing. I don't do that. I, it's Jesus. Connect you with Jesus. And and here in the song, I was touched. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. There's just something about that name, right? Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. I love it. And then it goes on, kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. Joshua, God saves, God is salvation. This is a gift from God to you, Mary. This is the child's name. It would say in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So she's, it's, it's Mary's Christmas and she's unwrapping these gifts from the Lord. Here is the virgin birth, virgin conception. Here is the name. I mean, we can go through a myriad of gifts that God has given to her. Another one is he will be the son of the most high God. Verse 32 points this out. In verse 32, it says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his Father David. Jesus is the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. It's this idea of the mystery of the incarnation. It's it's this, this magnificence of it that Jesus is the son of Mary, but he's also the son of the most high God. And and and, and this is one of those things that blows you away. He's not just the son of God, he is God. And he is God's beloved. You remember when we studied in Matthew chapter three months ago, where the baptism occurred, the spirit falls upon the Lord in the form of a dove, and the father speaks and says, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And here's this gift. He is the son of the most high God. Mary, I'm giving him to you. You're going to be his mother on this earth. Another gift that she opens in the presence of Gabriel is this idea that his kingdom will never end. As we, we saw in verse 33 of the passage, it says, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Gabriel, in a sense, isn't done ladling her with gifts. He tells her that Jesus will fulfill the prophecy given to David, and that prophecy is found in 2 Samuel chapter 7, when Nathan speaks to David in verses twelve and thirteen, he says, "When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever." And you can just you can just see Mary at sixteen years of age, and and there's Gabriel just giving her these gifts, and she's blown away by it. And and I, I love this picture because it's almost like me. Me? There's humility in her, and she's just touched by it. And, uh, and I was moved by it. Jesus had to be born of a woman so that he, he would be the same nature as those that he came to save. He had to be free from sin in order to make the sacrifice for our sins. He had to be God in order to, for the sacrifice to be accepted. His deity asserts that God himself has come to save us. So all this had to be in this gift that was given to Mary by God. And that's, in a sense, the conundrum of Christmas. And I I know the conundrum, it just matched with Christmas. Conundrum of Christmas. So I threw that in, and I'll explain (laughs) this intrigue of the incarnation. The sinless man who is God has come to reveal who he is and reconcile lost sinners to himself. And I think what blew me away in this passage of these gifts is this one that just stood out to me more than any others, and I loved it because as as um as we're going through the story and she's overwhelmed by it, verse thirty seven. Well, it begins with verse thirty six, where the angel says, "Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, and it was it was her cousin, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth is old, so you know that Mary was the child of her parents in their later years." Because if she's cousins with Elizabeth, she was born late in her parents' life. Her parents aren't even around. And here's Elizabeth, her cousin, and, and a relative. She's conceived a son in her old age, and now is the sixth month of her who is called barren. And then verse 37, this is a thing that jumps out at me, this unwrapping of this gift from God. For with God, nothing will be impossible. She needed to hear that. She needed to hear that. I think that touched me the most. I mean, I know five people have lost their homes in this fire. And you go through life and you hear the heartache of folks. And when you're in this world, you you hurt for people. And they're in desperate situations and they're struggling. And you come to a place where I can't fix it. But as a minister, I call them to the person who can. And I love this passage for with for nothing is impossible with God. I, I repeated it when we were reading it. For nothing is impossible with God. And, and just looking at the room, I, I, it won't take me long to, uh, to hear the heartache and the impossible situation you're up against. And I think for Mary, who was faced at 16 years of age with this news, she needed to hear that about her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary's, M-A-R-Y, apostrophe, Mary's Christmas demonstrates what God can do. And I, I, was, I was touched by this portion of the Scripture because I wrote down a couple of things. You, you, may, you may be in an impossible job situation right now or without a job. You may be faced with a pile of debt, an impossibility of getting out of it. You may be worried about a child or a parent or courage to face some sort of a trial. He may be overwhelmed by life or addiction. I, I got two calls this week. One in particular just hit me, and somebody I knew and have known, they were doing great and kind of walked away from the Lord, and now they're back under the pile of, of struggle. And I, and I just said, Lord, help them, and I pray, and I pray, and I pray, and ask God's blessing, and don't worry, it's my daughter. She's not angry with me, and neither is my son. They have something to do. All of you looking. Did he insult them? I'll let you know when I do. That's not the case right there. I won't. I'm kidding. Kind of. Um, so, marinate on this that nothing is impossible with God. You know, I, I, I shared with uh, the Newberry Park High School students, I was asked to go and speak at FCA, and I went... And, you know, you get older and you think, maybe I don't relate to the kids. And I, you know, I want to talk on fear. And I'm like, maybe they've heard my stories and I'm not sure. And my son was there last year and really neat kid. Jack had invited me and I came and really precious. He introduced me and I got up there and I, I, the strangest thing, I was nervous. I don't get nervous speaking. I was nervous that day. I don't think it showed, but it was, I was nervous. And I said, Lord, what do I have for these kids? And, and I, I got to Romans 8:28. all things work together for good with those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I said in the Greek, all things mean all things. I said, do you believe that? And the kids were like, yeah. And they were kind of like you, seven of them, yeah. And, um, and then I asked them again, and they go, oh, well, I'm sorry, I was sleeping. What? And then, you know, and they all said, I just threw that out there to see if you were awake. <laughs> Apparently, you still aren't. And, and, I, and I, I said, do you believe that all things work together for good with those who love God and are called according to their purpose? I said, yes. And so I set them up. And, and 2 Timothy 1, seven says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power love and a sound mind. And I said, fear and faith can't exist together you say that all things work together for good. So let me give you a couple scenarios. And I laid them out in four different sections. I said, the first one is a young boy with two older brothers, uh, mom and a dad. The dad is a dancer, takes off with a chorus girl, leaves the mom with the three kids. The mom ends up getting cancer, dying. The three boys are parted out to different family members. My friend ends up, or this one young man ends up in California with an uncle, doesn't do well. He rebels, he gets into a heroin addiction, gets hepatitis C and ends up in jail. I said, this other one is... um, uh, a young girl whose father leaves when she's uh, three or four years old and can't even speak of the horrible atrocities that the father did before she left. The, the mother raises her as a single mom, dies at 17. The mother is put with the aunt, goes through trials and struggles throughout all of her life, and, and, and you know, is hurting and missing her mom and her dad. I said, another one, uh, the mom and dad leave her when she's two, and she ends up, you know, living with a grandmother, and the grandmother's an alcoholic, and the aunt's a prostitute, and the house burns down, and I laid all that out, and I I did the, you know, and and after I finished laying that, I go, really, all things work together for good? The kids are like, ooh. I go, if the scripture says it, you either take it by faith or you don't, and then I gave them the story how they each ended. And one is Tim Maddox. He's our missionary in Cyprus. He ended up leaving, leading his father, Matt Maddox, who was a dancer to the Lord. And and God has used him to do an amazing ministry. And he was healed of hepatitis C. And he's, he's, you know, he's married. He's got three kids. Amazing story. And I took him to the next story. It was about my mother and how she had raised, you know, four kids. And one of them is a city councilman, and pastor, and how God used that and the adversity. And I took, you know, one was my daughter, Natasha. The last story was me. And I said, all things do work together for good, but you've got to give him your life. And you've got to trust him by faith, even when it's scary. And that's why it's so important to come to this place where we realize, God, nothing is impossible with you, and we have to rest in this. And you're going to be in impossible situations, but it's by faith that God walks you through those. And so here are these gifts. God just levels on Mary. And like we were talking earlier, he comes with all these gifts, and Mary's ill-prepared to give him any gifts back. But I love her response, and I wanted to leave you with this, and I'll let you go home. I'll let you go home. Because I'll tell you what, Mary was scared to death. And she needed to hear that nothing's impossible with God. And at this moment where she's looking at all these gifts and they're frightening, but she realizes God gave them to me. And this is, of all women in the world, I have been chosen with these gifts. And this is Mary's Christmas. Christmas. God gave Mary many gifts, a pregnancy, the promise of a son, a Savior named Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be the son of the Most High God. His kingdom will never end. He'll be the Holy One. And she didn't really have much to give to God, but what she did have, she gave him. What she did have, she gave him. Look at verse 38. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Her gift-giving involved two things, and she put this together to give to the Lord, and she did it in that last verse. The first thing she gave God was voluntary servitude, voluntary servanthood. A servant knows no rights of ownership. And what she said here is, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. What Mary's saying is she's the property of God. Maidservant means duelos bond slave. God, I I don't have a lot to give you. And anything I'd give you would pale in comparison with what you've just given me. But if it'd be all right with you, I'd like to give you my life. Do you realize what a gift that is to God? God. And in that, she said, let it be to me according to your word. In addition to this voluntary servanthood, she gave submissive obedience. It's a radical commitment. She said, God, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. And so the question is, are you ready for Christmas? Because if be ready for Christmas... If you want to look at all the gifts that you've been given from God, because what she was given, you were given, and I was given. And what do we have to give back? Because it's time for a gift exchange. You don't want to be caught off guard. And you want to give a gift that will bless God, give Him your life and your service. Someone once said there are only two types of Christmas presents, those you don't want and those you don't get. It's a little joke you put in your pocket for later, and then it kicks in, and you're like, okay, I get that. There are two other gifts this Christmas, the gift of Jesus packaged for you that you must receive, and the gift of yourself that God is waiting for you to give. You see, one gift has your name on it, it has your name on it, but it must be accepted in order to be owned I can give you a gift and you go, I don't want it, but it's got your name on it. I still don't want it. Not for me, not now. I don't ever want it. Well, it's not yours unless you take it. The other gift is a bit harder to give because it involves surrender. If you receive his gift of salvation, you give him your life and surrender. It's a gift exchange. It's a really cool gift exchange between you and your creator. He gave to you and now he waits for you to give yourself to him. I I like this. I'm blessed by it. I, um, I like what one author says. He says, Jesus exchanged his life for yours, but this transaction is only activated if you accept what he has done. Christmas isn't so much what you get, but what you give. And the question is, if you want to be ready for Christmas, have you ever given yourself to God? Mary did. And that's really all we're here for. We're living on his earth, breathing his air, drinking his water, eating his food. And we're called to live by his rules and give him our life. And the lungs that move and the heart that beats are all his. He's fashioned them. We've been fearfully and wonderfully made. He is our creator. We are his creature. He wants to have a loving relationship with us. He gave us his son and he wants us to give us his life or give us our, our life. I'll close with a story, and and I, I can't confirm whether the story is true, but I can say it's touching. I'll read it to you. And it's a great story for this age of political correctness where it's happy holidays, right? It takes place in a kindergarten pageant. A mother positioned herself so she could watch her son in the holiday play. She didn't, expect, she didn't expect much depth from the production because everything biblical about Christmas had been replaced with reindeer, snowflakes, and good cheer. But then her son's class rose to sing a song called Christmas Love. The kids were adorned with fuzzy mittens, red sweaters, and bright snow caps. Those in the front held up large letters one by one to spell out the title of the song. And as the class sang, C is for Christmas, a child would hold up the letter C Then H is for happy and so on until the completed message read Christmas love. And everything was going smoothly until suddenly they noticed her. A small quiet girl in the front row holding the letter M upside down. She was totally aware that her letter M appeared as a W. She did it on purpose. The kids started snickering and making fun of the girl. She had no idea they were laughing at her. And the teachers tried to keep the kids quiet, but the laughter actually increased in volume until the last letter was raised and everyone saw it at the same time. And a hush came over the audience and eyes began to widen as parents and kids alike understood the reason they were there. The message rang out loud and clear that night. Christ was love. That's kind of touching. A little sappy, but cool. And I'll conclude with the application of it. And I was thinking about this, especially as we're troubled and we're afraid and we're thinking about our first responders and our community and our families. And, and, and the question just comes back to us, are you ready for Christmas? And it's, it's, not, it's not, have you done all your shopping? It's not what getting ready for Christmas is all about. In our upside down world, And I want that to resonate with you. In our upside-down world, don't let anyone steal Christ from your Christmas. The only way they can steal it is got to let them. If you want to decry everything that's happening in the world and happy holidays, the question for us is, we've been given a multitude of gifts, and the only thing we can give Him in return is voluntary servitude and submission to His will. That's the gift exchange. You want a Merry Christmas, M A R Y? Or I should say, if you want a Merry Christmas, M E R R Y, then you need to follow Mary's Christmas. And I, I thought that's the coolest way to unwrap Christmas is to take a look at the first gift exchange. And I, I would just ask you to leave with this thought Are you ready for Christmas? And that's not a code word for shopping, right? I was thinking, we had a sweet time singing it at the beginning. I really feel the Holy Spirit put it together. So we're going to close with Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And we're going to put Jesus in Christmas. Joshua, God saves. No other name, no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. God gave you everything, the incarnation, his holy son. He gave him the name. He gave him a kingdom that will last forever. And he wants you to give him your life. So let's stand and sing Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Merry Christmas, everybody.